And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. That doesn't sound good. Paper shredder's jammed, but I think I fixed it. Oh, well, try shredding these $50 bills then. Seems like it's working. Mm, better try another 400 bucks. Stop. Instead of using money, use regular paper. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Dana Whittle, American by birth, naturalized Canadian, Quebecois at heart. And this is Pod d'Accent. Born when I began documenting my experiences as a musician, designer, writer, and bilingual immigrant here in Quebec. Produced by Visu Media, Podexa is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and your favorite podcast app. By the way, I love your accent. When I'm 64, on being a senior musician before, during, and hopefully after a global pandemic, an ambivalent ramble about life as a musician from someone who's been given the sudden gift of too much time to think. Before. My little band played our last live pre-pandemic concert on March 6, 2020, not far from where we live in rural Quebec. The coronavirus was already a big deal in the Western US, particularly in the Seattle area. I knew from following the CDC and other scientific sources that it was on its way to happening here too, and that night I had to keep explaining to friends and fans that because of this, I didn't want to kiss kiss, even though I love them dearly. We are a very physical culture here in Quebec. The MC actually made jokes at my expense about me being a germaphobe. Five days later, they were closed for business. When the lockdown began, my very first thought, despite the horrific reason for it, was that the new normal was actually kind of my fantasy scenario. To be sequestered in my cozy rural home, wood stove fired up against the record March cold, nobody coming to visit, not preparing to go off anywhere, and at least a temporary stop to booking the increasingly elusive gigs for our band. A never-ending task I've grown to dread more and more over the 30 years I've been doing it. For me, it was like a dream staycation. Just a few weeks prior, we had returned from promoting our band at the world's largest folk music industry conference, Folk Alliance International, held this year in New Orleans. While there, we invariably hugged and kissed hundreds of friends, old and new, arriving from all over the planet, not realizing that the city was about to become a major virus hotspot. Maybe it already was, and we just didn't know it. We spent an embarrassing amount of money to get there, to stay but rarely sleep, in the very expensive host hotel, eat at amazing local restaurants, and drink spicy $12 Bloody Caesars in the lobby bar while schmoozing with and trying to wrangle jobs from presenters who came from all over North America and abroad to attend the thousands of artists' showcases, short, unpaid performances, vying for their attention. To get folks to come see you, you have to stick up posters, hand out little promo cards, and swag. For example, guitar picks with your name on them, stickers people will want to stick on something, t-shirts, branded rolling papers, you get the idea. 
You email them pre-conference and Facebook message them daily with your showcase times and locations, letting them know there will be alcohol and good munchies there, and pray that they show up to hear at least two minutes of your 15 to 20 minute set at 2 a.m. You used to hand out lots of CDs, but now you make do with a download card that lets them grab your music online. Few actually redeem these cards. Almost nobody except other artists is willing to carry around a bunch of CDs. They need their hands for the free beer and munchies. Most attendees, us included, go through their conference goodie bag and chuck nearly everything into the hotel wastebasket, leaving any promo CDs for the hotel staff, who may or may not own a CD player or need another CD from a singer-songwriter they've never heard of. The irony of being a so-called starving artist but staying in a luxury hotel is not lost on us particularly when we find ourselves putting money into the tip jars of New Orleans street performers, some of them amazing musicians who would have had presenters drooling had they been able to afford the conference fees. We got sick on our last day at the conference, but we didn't even go to sleep that night because we had to take the 7 a.m. Monday train to North Carolina to begin a short winter tour, all of it canceled due to either illness or bad weather. Despite being sick and losing all revenue for the tour, we even ended up spending three nights in a hotel because the friends who'd been housing us were even sicker than we were, we still didn't suspect for a minute just how our world was about to change, maybe forever. When you're the type of musician who plays folk festivals, small venues and house concerts for modest fees, when you play traditional or old-fashioned sounding genres, when your music doesn't involve a lot of moving around on stage, unless you're a step dancer or a flashy player, when you don't have 10,000 or even 1,000 subscribers to your YouTube channel because your public isn't of an age that they automatically record everything you do on their smartphone, if you don't publish Facebook pictures of yourself with famous people in the green room at hipster festivals down under, if your hair is gray and you didn't purposely dye it that color, Agents and managers do not jump at the chance to represent you. That's why our own agent phased us out in favor of our own kids' hotter, louder, younger, and let's face it, cuter band. So you end up pitching yourself, and any artist will tell you that there are few things as uncomfortable as being forced to tell people who hear this countless times daily just how great you are. Booking is by far the most painful job I've ever done, and to date I've shoveled a great deal of horse poop, peeled potatoes, cleaned houses, weighted tables, mixed drinks, mowed lawns, roofed houses, translated books, designed marketing material and then websites, planted flower bulbs and changed light bulbs, made blueprints, run a warehouse, taught skiing, guitar and design, sold architectural supplies, managed a plant store, and wiped a lot of cute tiny asses. So that's saying something. Twenty years ago, booking a gig involved lots of phone calls where you often spoke directly to the person doing the hiring or left a message that might actually be returned. Hello? Ten years ago, those phone calls turned into emails, tedious for non-typists, mainly men of a certain age, but actually an improvement for those of us who like to see things in writing, save them to a virtual file folder or print them out for future reference. Fast forward to today, and if you haven't personally met a presenter, you will find yourself visiting a website where there is often no phone number and sometimes even no email address. Instead, there is a page entitled something like 
play at the festival or the club or even the itsy bitsy coffee house where you will likely play for the door even if only three people attend. You must fill out a form with your biography, YouTube, website, and social links, a photo upload, and possibly press clippings or a link to your downloadable EPK, otherwise known as an electronic press kit. Sometimes the text fields have limits that require you to edit your information, usually in mouse size type, just to make it fit. You spend at least 30 minutes doing this, and after you hit submit, the form either times out because it took you so long to repackage this information that is already handily available on your website, or in a document you could easily attach to an email if that were an option. Or if you're successful, you're directed to a thank you for applying page, reminding you, please don't call us, and sometimes even a disclaimer about how unlikely it is that you'll be hired, with a warning that if you are not hired, you won't hear back from them. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. As someone who builds web forms, I'm especially aware of how many things can go wrong. Will they still consider hiring you if you dare to call the number they specifically asked you not to call? If you are relegated to contacting a venue via their Facebook page, also quite common, you may leave a direct message that nobody responds to, despite the fact that following the page allows you to see that the page admin is indeed online at this exact minute. I once submitted an email from the website of a presenter I actually knew personally, who regularly presented bands just like mine. In fact, they had themselves friended me on Facebook. So after two months without a response, I shot off a direct message asking if they'd ever received my email. Literally 30 seconds later, I received a snippy response telling me that they couldn't possibly follow up on all the emails they get from the website. They were a restaurant too, so I thought this was a little strange. Booking can be a discouraging, demeaning exercise, definitely not for the faint of heart. When you're a mature performer, it can be even worse. At a certain point, you've attempted to retrain yourself to quit worrying about visual appeal. You begin playing with a whole new deck of cards. You now refer to yourself in writing as a veteran, authentic, or a master of whatever your specialty is. There may be truth to this, but still, the truth isn't always reassuring. Even though everybody says that your music is what counts and that you look just fine, at some point, you will find yourself on stage praying that the festival photographer won't shoot you from below, capturing your sagging upper arms and double chin, or the fact that the waist button of your jeans has just popped open. You stop making music videos featuring you, because there are no good angles. Instead, you use artistic footage of your dog running through a field of daisies while you sing in the background. Nearly every musician you are competing with is younger, by default better looking, and seems to you, and may actually be, more technically impressive than you have ever been. Your own kids being no exception to that rule, having followed in your footsteps to become performers themselves, getting paid a lot more than you did at their age. There's rarely an unappealing camera angle to be found on their YouTube channel. You wonder how they could have decided to become professional musicians at all, after being hauled all over the countryside on endless drives to endure peeing in a sweaty portageon and waiting for their parents to finish yet another set at festivals where you never, ever let them buy the $300 turquoise rings, overpriced leather backpacks, or Peruvian sweaters in the artisan tent. If they're exhausted at the end of a long day of following you around, they know how to look for you in the green room if there is one. With the possible exception of high-profile pop stars and classical orchestras, 
Most musicians are for all practical purposes unemployed the day following their latest gig. The sheer quantity of time that must be spent to remain in the public eye, even when you don't have upcoming concerts, is phenomenal. Cultivating leads, managing email lists, attending industry events, it can feel like you are starting from zero every time you begin, yet again, to book a season's worth of gigs. To compete, you must of course have a press kit, a website, a Facebook page, a YouTube channel, and a presence on Twitter and Instagram at minimum, and regularly add content to these platforms, whether you are playing gigs or not. You apply for arts funding grants to pay for as much of this as possible. The granting body also wants to see your videos and to know how many unique visitors you had on your website, even though you mostly interact with your fans on social media and your website has become a static brochure for all practical purposes. You may have already noticed that people under 45 tend to have minimal websites, while those of a certain age contain everything but the kitchen sink. Oh yeah, and you still need to practice, write new music, arrange, record, and release both a physical and digital product, maybe even a digital single or EP, a short album, despite EP very unsemantically standing for extended play. During. You can just imagine what havoc was created upon this complex ecosystem with the onset of COVID-19. The exception being that suddenly you had lots of time to practice and create but nowhere to show, ideally in exchange for some money, how great your new material is. To record your new album while on this unplanned hiatus, your band has to be able to get together, often in a professional studio, currently impossible unless you are living with your bandmates and or... Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. I never thought I'd care about gardening until I bought a house in the suburbs. But now I find myself in conversations about liquid fertilizer, and I wonder, am I the fertilizer guy now? <laughs> no, no way. Everyone knows the ratio between phosphorus and nitrogen, right? Yeah, I'm still totally cool. Anyway, when you save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto, that's the easy part of adjusting to the suburbs. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Have a home studio at your service. For my band, virtually every potential or in-discussion contract generated by multiple wee hours performances and networking at the conference in New Orleans is basically dead and gone. A conversation that was started but never finished, filed under maybe instead of active in my virtual bookings folder. These conversations will have to be taken off life support in Praying Nightly, late 2020 or more likely early 2021 or even as far off as 2022 assuming that the venues who wanted us survived the pandemic. Many, if not most, folk venues already exist in a perpetual state of struggle, run by the good grace of volunteers and or underpaid staff. Here in Canada, they are sometimes helped by arts grants from our amazing federal arts initiatives, as well as provincial programs. Some are simply too small to even consider reopening, because the required social distancing that is likely to remain in effect for some time is a distant dream. A space that can only accommodate a maximum of 60 audience members cannot pay performers a reasonable fee with only 30 people in attendance, and they certainly can't legally sell enough beer to those people to make up the difference. For Canadian musicians who want to play in the U.S., it takes a permit that involves a union membership and an FBI background check, even if you've been coming and going legally across the now-closed border for years. Then there are the fees and the hoping and praying that it will be approved. My band frequently tours in the U.S., and because we play traditional Quebecois music, 
we were able to obtain a special culturally unique permit. But this year, all of the work done to prepare the application and the thousands of dollars spent might as well have been flushed down the toilet. It is unlikely that we will be able to make use of that permit. With the onset of the pandemic, nearly everybody has created or attempted to create some online version of their event. From virtual folk festivals to private house concerts, folk music camps to open mic nights. Overnight, these venues have had to change the way people sign up, pay, and experience what they have to offer, and the learning curve can be steep. While it is reassuring that you'll still be able to learn how to play that fiddle tune with a master fiddler on your screen, see your favorite band on your screen, share your latest composition with participants and spectators on their screens, it just ain't quite the same. Many of us are doing it to prove that we still exist and to support those presenters and artists we care about. But most of us are seriously tired of sitting in front of a computer screen. Remember, we have all become instant telecommuters. We are suffering from carpal tunnel syndrome, Facebook finger and Zoom fatigue, and it's clear that the market is becoming quickly saturated. In our previous life, audiences couldn't possibly have traveled in one year to all the places that now present online events overwhelming us with options every night of the week. Sharing content to Facebook in 2019 usually meant that your followers would see it. Not so today. There is so much content being created due to confinement that we simply can't see it all or hope to keep up with it as it sails on by without a single comment, like, or share. In the past few years, the switch to streaming consumption of music has been a huge downside for many artists in multiple genres and especially hard for folk artists who are already getting only a tiny piece of the pie. We've gone from being able to count on selling hundreds of CDs at a festival to selling a few dozen and often less. House concerts are pretty much the only place where people seem committed to supporting the artists by buying their physical music. House concerts may survive the pandemic because they do not require upkeep and staff and can potentially happen out of doors, weather permitting, and assuming your area permits small private gatherings. They won't go out of business if they don't happen for a period of time, because house concert audiences are usually made up of people who know each other or have a common connection that keeps them in touch. No matter what your dearest, but let's admit it, stubborn and change-resistant friends say, CDs are on the way out. Yes, vinyl has had a sudden resurgence due to cheap USB turntables, but most vinyl sales are to people your kid's age who think it's cool and even kind of cute. I still remember the day my son asked me, Mom, what's an LP? The reality is that the listening experience is slowly migrating to music platforms where you can listen to anything your heart desires for a monthly all-you-can-eat fee without ever holding the album in your hand or even downloading the tracks to your computer, tablet, or smartphone. I admit to having a family subscription to a platform that lets me listen to the music my kids like, not to mention a non-stop stream of music from my childhood while on road trips. Remember road trips? But not everyone is a digital subscriber as of yet, so the insultingly tiny percentages that streaming services like Apple Music and Spotify, to name but two, do not make up for the massive time and money spent to produce the music. Unless you're a top artist with enormous commercial success, you're not getting a lot. And each platform has a different formula for calculating when a track merits a payout and how much. Spotify currently requires listening for 30 seconds and the song must stream more than once. 
Apple says 20 seconds makes you eligible and pays a higher rate per stream. But streaming rates vary depending upon artist ratings, listener country, and many other factors. Streaming and the improved tracking of digital audio has the potential to be lucrative, but it hasn't yet trickled down to all genres. The streaming shakeout is still happening, and it isn't clear how it will all end. Ironically, since the beginning of the pandemic, my own band, as well as my now-defunct bands who made CDs back in the day, have actually seen a subtle uptick in sales on all delivery platforms. Streaming, digital downloads, and mail-order CDs on our own website, probably due to people being home and spending more time online than when they had to get out of their pajamas and go to their real-time job. As a web developer, I'm able to stitch together the various delivery options and benefit 100% from them. The potential profit margin from managing your own online sales is fairly high. But not everybody finds it easy to do so. Most of the companies selling digital downloads for artists take a sizable chunk of any profits and in the process steal the traffic that should be going to your own website. Downloads have to be hosted somewhere, usually not your own website because they use too much RAM during download and it costs to park files on a server, not to mention paying someone to set it up for you if you're not a tech whiz. As a 64-year-old musician with a long and sometimes marginal career behind me, the COVID confinement period has become the catalyst to get me off the hamster wheel to try something new. I consider myself lucky to have that option, both in my skill set and in my economic and family situation. I own my home, I'm nearly debt-free, and I'm about to join my partner in claiming my retirement pension. I'm also thankful to live in a country that provides me with health care, even if I'm unemployed, as well as financial support to see me through this bumpy transition where we all adjust overnight to living without our regular incomes. As senior artists, we sometimes, but not always, have less to lose. Our kids may be grown and gone, and in our case, sometimes competing with us for the same music jobs, which is occasionally awkward. We are more likely to accept a contract for love despite the money, thus maintaining our public profile. Although, in our younger days, we have already done that way more often than we would like to publicly admit. That is one lesson our kids learn from us, and we are happy that they approach their careers so professionally from the start. Meanwhile, wearing my designer developer hat, my clients, artists, managers, and not-for-profits still unsure how they'll pay for it, are asking for help figuring out live streaming getting product for sale online, and trying to milk every possible opportunity to earn a few cents via the internet, our new number one venue. Zoom, Facebook, and YouTube live concerts turn artists into performers, sound tech, and promoter rolled into one, generating a whole new level of stress, offering a host of exciting new options for screwing up. How about an intimate look up your nostrils as you fix the settings on your computer during a buggy live stream, all the while juggling your guitar and avoiding mic stands and cords or the cat. It is sublimely painful to watch a live concert that would sound great if the streaming platform's compression algorithms would leave it alone, or one that repeatedly freezes due to buffering or internet latency issues. Not to mention trying to present a song without any audience interaction. It feels positively bizarre to say thank you at the end of a piece that you've just played, where the applause would normally be when there's only radio silence. After. While the tragic pandemic takeaway for the performing arts will likely, and very sadly, 
be an abrupt end to many small venues, and certainly the end to the careers of some, maybe even many, artists. A May 2020 survey says that 19% of UK musicians are considering ending their careers. There may still be a wafer-thin silver lining to be found in this very dark cloud. There will be the forced weeding of the artistic garden, which means that some very, very good artists will never make it for mostly economic reasons. But those who are able to stick it out, brilliant or otherwise, will have a smaller field of competitors and may develop successful careers once venues have figured out how to exist again. Sales of instruments and music gear is up, according to Rolling Stone magazine. So yay for some retailers. Learn to play the ukulele or drums in your enormously free time. There are likely to be fewer live music industry events, which will reduce the cost of promotion for artists and travel expenses for presenters. Perhaps venues with fewer artists hounding them for gigs will begin answering the phone and publishing contact information once again. Maybe it will be the end, hallelujah, to live, unpaid showcasing. Maybe the public, who by now realize just how important entertainment and art are in our lives, will be willing to pay just a teensy bit more for what they now know they can't live without. This has begun to work for the publication world, with digital subscriptions to many well-known, formerly print magazines and newspapers on the rise. Or maybe I'm just being optimistic. In the meantime, once out-of-region travel is more broadly permitted and advisable, our performing fantasy involves quarantining for two weeks together with our bandmates before setting off on a busking street performance tour across Canada in a camper so we can cook our own meals and minimize contact. We'll stop where it appeals to us and do an impromptu set in the town square, on a church lawn, in a parking lot or a local park. No contracts, no calendar, and hopefully no arrests for unlawful performances. We'll pass the hat and accept offerings from people's gardens or kitchens in exchange for delivering some unexpected art and a bit of joy. Without the option of reasonably well-paying gigs, it's actually the way we like it best. Doing what comes naturally, naturally. Maybe you'll come across us during the summer of 2021, on a starry night or a breezy day, somewhere in a remote Canadian prairie town or on a perfect island surrounded by sparkling water. Fingers crossed. One thing I'm sure of, that there is nothing like a long period of confinement and not knowing what tomorrow will bring to make you appreciate the good old days. Podexa is a production of Visu Media, copyright Dana Whittle, all rights reserved. Recorded at Studio Visu in St. Patrick's, Quebec. Theme music by Avilda Moore, all rights reserved. Subscribe to Visu Media podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or in your favorite podcast app. Visit visu.media for show notes and info about our other podcasts. And as you can hear, je n'ai pas d'exa. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? 
And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers.